Hello and welcome to Lost World Minutes, the minimum of the podcast from the 1907 sequel Jurassic Park by Minute Time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And here we are at the end of the week to discuss Minute 74. And Dave is still not dead. <laughs> but uh, before we get to that, it's approaching 105 degrees here in the uh, operations building. <laughs> I'm very warm. Uh, David, you want to swap spots? Aren't you going into winter over there? Oh, uh, yeah, we are uh, very near winter, so yeah. it's currently uh, just a little below freezing, the freezing point here. That's fine. I can put a jacket on. <laughs> That's interesting. They, uh, they've recently called for, there's been some advertisements for jobs in Antarctica, leaving out of Melbourne, and uh, oh, this time of year over here where it's nudging 104, on Tuesday it's going to be 110, so mm-hmm. uh, too hot. But uh, speaking of hot, and uh, I do mean hot, uh, Ironhead Studios released this past week uh, prices for their uh, upcoming diorama set, and we're worried, now I'm scared. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) The uh, the Ian Malcolm and Dr. Grant figure have been estimated retail at uh, $89.99 US um, Mm -hmm. dollars. Uh, the T-Rex, T-Rex, the T-Rex art scale custom, which uh, seems to have its own base that hasn't been shown yet, is has a retail of $649 or $650. Um, the way the Rex is posed, you'd think that the Explorer would be the base, but there must have something else, maybe a little bit of rock or something for it to have that front leg up on. Uh... And not... Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of confused. I assumed that the uh, base with the fence and all that was going to be the base. Mm. Apparently not. Yeah. And also because that ruined Explorer isn't part of anything apart from the entire set. So the only way to get Lex and Tim and that upturned Explorer is to get the entire set by the looks of these mm-hmm. listings anyway. The Jungle Explorer, which would be the second one that Alan and Malcolm's just getting out of, uh, has its own custom base, which we, again, haven't seen yet, and that re- retail is 650 US. Um, <laughs> yay. Or uh, you can get the two separate sets. Set 1, or set A, is the left base, the left base back, the fence and plants, car, Tim and Lex, and the T-Rex, which is that whole left-hand side of the uh, diorama. Mm-hmm. And then set B is the middle section, which is only really a damage fence, and uh, the right-hand section, which includes uh, Malcolm Grant, uh, that side of the fence, that side of the plants, and the base as well, which both sets are 1,200 USD. So adding all that up, if you want to get both both sides, you're looking at about 3,800 USD. Um, which sadly puts this outside of my price range. Even with a payment plan, that's just that's just too much. <laughs> yeah, still worth it though. I mean, <clears throat> considering how much um, some of Chronicle stuff is, I mean, if Chronicle were to do this, it would be way more than thirty eight hundred. We know that. Well, we've had the hint of a possible explorer. We'll see in the next few months what that what that's going to be. I think, Dave, you're sort of looking at maybe getting just either a Grant or a Malcolm, and maybe not both. 
Maybe, probably. Yeah. I'd, I don't know if I could pick one or the other. Um, for 90, 90 bucks, I could probably see just getting the both of them and maybe uh, the Explorer. Um, it's a big ticket item, though, Beans. Six fifty, but that at least at least now we've got an idea of what the prices are. Unfortunately, they're sort of those those higher end collector prices. Um, mm-hmm. aren't the only the only benefit now is going to be whether or not there's some sort of payment plan so we can have six or ten months to pay these off. Careful, this suit costs more than your education. But speaking of collector collector items, Dave, you're uh, you finally succumb. To the uh, maquettes <laughs> collection. I did, collectors. yes, I did. I mean, okay. Not many chances you're going to be able to get a life-size dinosaur in your home. So I finally pulled the trigger on the Chronicle Collectibles copy. Now it's the male, the previous, female. Previously, what's that? It's the male, the female. It's the, the male, yeah. Yep, the male, yep. And it's, yeah. And it's um, beautifully done. The paint, their paint on the proto was done by Tim Gore. Came out a little glossy, or I'm sorry, glossy on the uh, proto, but they seem to have brought that sheen down a little bit on the final paint mm-hmm. version. And it looks really cool. I gotta say, I'm really excited to get this piece. Yeah, and we talked about early on. I'd have to get more than one, <laughs> but having at least it, like it's one to one scale. So having that there, it you is. you near have. Even sort of removing it from the franchise itself, you now have a one-to-one scale Compsing Davis, or you will have shortly, uh, mm-hmm. in your collection. Now, just having having any one-to-one dinosaur, no matter what the design or scale or whatever else is, is fantastic. So, mm-hmm. um, And we, we've all seen the photos of your Tyrannosaur you got done. I can't wait to see <laughs> once you get this compy out. Yeah. Oh, you know I'm going to be sticking it in some bushes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's where I, I wish the neck the neck was sort of latex and posable, and even the legs, like, <laughs> just so you could have that, that pose of it coming through the ferns at Dieter or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still, no, fantastic buy, man. Congrats. Yeah. And like I said in the previous minute, I do love the copies. Um... I remember doing a dinosaur roleplay back when Jurassic Park Legacy was still up. I had a my first character, and probably one of my favorites was a um, I had a little Compsognathus character called Thrasher. Yep. Of course, everybody know you guys all know where the name came from. <laughs> and I mean, it, it it was just had like a little Spitfire personality that I gave it. It it was tenacious. It was he was uh, fearless. It was. Funny, I think one of the things I did with them men is everybody kind of laughed at me for it, but I thought it was funny was that I went up and started bugging one a friend of mine's character as an iguanodon, and I was just kind of like nipping at it, the, <laughs> and it just kind of looked at me like, shoo. <laughs> <laughs> I can step on you so easily. Why are you bugging me? Yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fantastic. And, but that's what copies are. That's what I always felt like the copy was. It was this Spitfire personality in a dinosaur that it had the Napoleonic, it was the Napoleonic complex of dinosaurs where it was a little dinosaur, but it had such a fearless personality that it would pro- it probably would in real life 
trying to take on the larger dinosaur, you know? And this, this... I can imagine the Jurassic Park compies trying, in a pack, trying to just swarm a velociraptor. Yeah, yep. Boldly, stupidly, and probably unsuccessfully, but they would try. In the right in the right circumstance, if that raptor had a broken leg or some sort of damage because it, the pack had gone up against the herbivore and come off second best, mm-hmm. even if that one raptor had got uh, injured during the attack, again these are all things I'd love to see on film. Where unfortunately they're all, they're sadly only in sort of novel base um, because people want to see carnivores winning, not dying, but. Uh, we we see here with Dita that it just uh, they've got the power like in numbers in, in numbers they're mm-hmm. real supreme. Pretty much, I mean, copies are successful in taking down one single helpless prey, or not helpless but injured prey, and that's pretty much their entire food base is cleaning up scraps and taking down the injured. They're kind of like I don't know sharks. I'd say piranhas was a good analog mm. when they used when they discussed them and. ILM is because they kind of take down those kind of um, the scraps and the garbage and everything else yeah, that kind of yeah. dirty up the place. Yeah. You know? And there's there's a bit of a misconception, I'll say, although I'm pretty sure I've seen live stuff getting mauled. But um, piranhas normally, they're sort of, if there's a dead carcass or something in the stream, they'll mm-hmm. sense the water just like a shark can sense blood. And uh, yeah, go in, yeah, go in, yeah, just strip, yeah, uh, completely strip a carcass of its flesh. Um, I do not, I'm not even going to suggest stepping in the water with piranhas, but I don't know how to go against something live, because you're not really sending out a aroma of blood or rotten flesh. Yeah. Um, and the compies comp the same. Like yes. Mostly, if there's a fallen animal or a dead animal, they're like the hyenas that come in to pick pick the body clean towards the end. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I don't see a hundred compies going after a Pachycephalosaurus or a Parasilophus that's alive and able to fight. <laughs> they're they're more of that scavenger and more the cleaning up. And both novels yeah. sort of the whole reason they were in Jurassic Park in a novel was to. <laughs> frankly eat shit <laughs> I, <laughs> I i don't know i don't know how that diet would yeah i don't know how that diet would help them uh not really sure either I, they kind of surprised me when uh Crichton included that because that just seems such an off the wall kind of thing i mean dung beetles do that yeah but they're beetles i mean they're not terrestrial or i mean they're not yeah they're not terrestrial vertebrates at all and and that's with the dung beetles especially, that's sort of dung beetles here and there does not... Um, there isn't a massive problem in Africa of herbivore dung taking over the landscape. There's enough mm-hmm. There's enough being spread over a certain landmass where the dung beetles are coming in and doing what they're doing. There's a lot of stuff that dung beetles aren't getting um, because, of, yeah. because of space and territory. Maybe it's just because the island's so small. They're sort of saying, well... These animals need food, and they're gonna eat shit to do. It. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't. Yeah, it's, it's just it's just a weird one. Like, okay, well, we need to have these. Well, we've got this problem. You got brachiosaurs, like in the novel, there's a patasaurs as well. Um, 
mm-hmm. and even smaller herbivores wandering the island. Now, I've 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 grown up on a dairy farm, and I know that cows do eat a lot of grass. A lot of that grass comes back out, so mm-hmm. you need you need that sort of yin to yang, <laughs> I'll say. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe Crichton's seen the compies as that, whether he's just sort of said non-scientific, okay, we've got these little dinosaurs, the little dinosaurs are going to eat that. Um, but here we are 30 years later and it's sort of a common a common thing that, okay, compies are the clean-up crew. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, we have a large population of them on sauna, so why not extend that to the, here as well? Whether it's whether it's just cleaning up dung, whether it's cleaning up skeletons, we don't see any around the Rex nest, which has a lot of dead bodies and flies. But uh, you, you... I would imagine that the um, baby T Rex would take the niche of the copies, though, in that situation. Yeah, yeah, but even, even like you, I've I've seen art of like small animals like that. Um, eating dragonflies and stuff like that. You'd think you'd think mm-hmm. that sort of not only eat other dinosaurs and their carcasses, but sort of insects as well that come from these big animals roaming in the landscape. But oh, no doubt that the uh, campies were insectivorous. Mm. The animals won't even know they're there. Very low impact, strictly observation and documentation. But anyway, we've mo- we've moved from figures into <laughs> real life. Ready to get into 74? Yeah. Alright. As we ended minute 73 of the Lost World, Dieter had taken a tumble down a sharp hill and landed in the creek bed. Several compies had attacked him. As we open on minute 74, he'd chased the compies away. At 73 minutes and 6 seconds, Dieter turns and walks back towards the water, looking at his hands and the blood from his lip. At 73 minutes and 12 seconds, the compies chased after him, and he turns to realise they're following him. Out of frustration, he charges at him, trying to scare him away. He looks down at his belt and realises he has no weapons, so he picks up some rocks and throws at the compies. The tiny animals scatter left and right, and Dita starts to mumble something in his native tongue, looking down again at his hands. At 73 minutes and 28 seconds, he turns and walks back towards the water again, yet the compies follow. At 73 minutes and 32 seconds, we cut back to the survivors at their rest area. Nick's looking suspicious. Roland bends over and picks up his rifle. Says, okay, break over. Let's move on. Sarah's enjoying a quiet nap. And Ludlow still doesn't seem to realise where they are. At 73 minutes and 52 seconds, a hunter comes up and tells Carter that they're leaving. After several attempts to get his attention, he bends over and picks up a stone and throws it towards Carter, who then realises and takes off his headphones. And as the minute ends, he picks up his backpack, and they start to walk away. So, as we end the week, we open up with the compies hopping and chirping on their little log they've found across this creek. They've got all the time in the world, as we discussed last minute, whether or not the whole poison bite is true or not in the films. Um, they're not. They're not displeased at all. They've sort of had their first little attack. They're happy to wait. If anything, they can wait until more numbers arrive. Because there's, mm-hmm. there's not a lot here as well. But uh, Dita looks looks at them in disbelief, sort of. And uh, he turns around and walks towards the large 
pool of water behind him, which I would have assumed would be to uh, wash off the blood and all his hands. Mm-hmm. Very good idea, though. I mean, dysentery? Yeah. You know? Yep. <laughs> yep. He, uh, he turns and sees the pack following him. <laughs> it's like, you little bastards, leave me alone. And uh, <laughs> frustrated, he turns, and he, he tries to chase him away by yelling, which, yeah, I'm there. I'm right there with him. Um, and then, of course, they he uh, picks up a rock from the creek bed and tosses it at him, and they all scatter. Mm. Well, that's it. They just They just run back to that log that's fallen across the creek. And the sort of just again jump and chirp and like, <laughs> is that all you can do, <laughs> really? And uh, out of frustration, yeah, he just he looks down at his belt and can't find anything there to use as a weapon, unfortunately. And uh, yeah, bends down and picks up some rocks from the stream and starts hurling at him. Doesn't appear to hit anything, of course, because we can't see an animal die in these films, unfortunately. <laughs> That's not... not necessarily true. I mean, we will get to that uh, later. Uh, with the Rex? Uh, the Raptor. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, that's yeah, okay. That's that's. I meant I meant by human weapons. Oh uh, yeah, I guess. Okay, slightly going back to the trailer, uh, for <laughs> Jurassic World, uh, Fallen Kingdom, just uh, personnel carriers with soldiers and weapons. Some people are assuming that oh no we're going to see animals get shot now. I don't I don't think we're ever going to see animals get shot. Mm-hmm. People will shoot. We've seen it with the hunters. People will open fire on animals, but they won't get harmed. <laughs> but uh, after he sort of chases the animals away and throws the rocks at him, he turns and he starts murmuring something. As we said in the last minute, whether it's Russian or Swedish or his native tongue, I'm not. I haven't looked into it too much of what um, Peter Stromer's local language is. I have no doubt he's making full use of that now. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, no, actually, uh, apparently there was um, Peter Stromer kind of just winged uh, that line, and Spielberg liked it and said, "Do that, uh, do that on camera." Yeah, yeah, I, I, and I've got no, I've got no issue with it at all. Like, I've got no idea what he's saying, but I can, I can, I can imagine after just. Having his... I think he's saying, like, little demons or something like that. Yep. I'm sure there's a couple of curses in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Just having these little sons of bitches on his arms and taking a chunk mm-hmm. out of his lip. I also love here, too, have you got this just... The the afternoon sun just piercing through the trees and the forest. Yeah, and, this... and the fog mm. wafting into the scene. Yeah, yep. It's great. It reminds me. It, it actually reminds me a lot of the Lost World uh, Matchbox commercial. Yep. Which is one of my favorite toy commercials for the Lost World. Now I wonder. I wonder. I assume there's a smoke machine on set. For this. Oh, I mean, they probably wouldn't have needed it at this point. I'd yeah. Filming like early November in this. Even so. Even why it's. Um, September, so the lot of that was probably natural. Yeah, either way, it's like time perfectly. Just the way they've had this shot, that the way they've had this shot set up with Dieter in the stream and this fog coming down this low, low-lying area. Just again, another one of these fantastic shots about just this lost world, this island. I just love it. But uh, he takes a look at the blood on his hands and sort of he touches his lip a little bit and sort of 
again walking back towards that large pool of water behind him that he was heading for before. And he sort of yells out again, Hey, Roland. And then we cut back away from Dita roaming in the forest. And uh, the survivors <laughs> at the thing, we've got Sarah with her head against a tree sleeping. <laughs> it kind of looks like she fell asleep there. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Watch, uh, you got to watch Nick Van Owen when Roland goes to reach for his gun. And it's almost like a kid who knows he's done something wrong. Oh, yeah. And he's waiting for the parent to catch, to catch him. But for his sake, but thankfully for his sake, hey, Roland doesn't catch him until it's too late. If you look at guilty in the dictionary, you've got a photo of Nick in this scene. He's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's sort of... It's hard to imagine what he's guilty of at this point, where, it's, okay, he's just pulled the shells out and mm-hmm. unloaded the... Unloaded the rifle or shotgun, but what he's actually done later on just beggars belief. Not only did he, he he took the shells out, but he took the rounds out and emptied the gunpowder and then put the empty shells back in. So at least, mm-hmm. at least Roland, if ever he, he opens his shotgun and sees the ends of the shells, he can see the primers haven't yeah. been struck. He can see that the ammunition is still in there. Um, mm-hmm. And he can sit there and fire. This is dangerous, considering they're heading into hostile territory. Mm-hmm. No, Roland... I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Nick is not thinking forward at all no. on this. Again, from fan fan comments, I'd love Nick to be part of this Save the Dinosaurs campaign. Uh, if, I would too. It, it suited him perfectly. If there's, ever, if there's ever a point where he can come back, <laughs> it is now. Cameo, mm-hmm. yeah. But uh, it's it's funny here too. Roland picks up his rifle, and uh, he sort of looks off in the forest ahead of him, and puts his hat on. He sort of it hangs the shot hangs there for a little bit while he does that. Now we just had the Dita yelling at, "Hey, Roland!" Now I'm I'm seeing this mm-hmm. more of him just sort of focusing on the path ahead, and then he. Uh, he turns back to the group and says, okay, break over, moving on. So I, I think it was just the fact that he was looking forward that the path ahead and not that he may have heard something from Dita because I, yeah. well, as soon as Dita fell down that hill, he's well out of voice range of anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I will admit, when I uh, went to Fern Canyon, I couldn't help myself. I had to yell, hey, Roland. <laughs> oh, lovely. You didn't take a tumble down a hill, did you? Um, fortunately, no. <laughs> uh, but that's just another great little scene here where everyone sort of like slowly getting to their feet. Roland sort of walks off screen. Everyone starts following in his direction as well. Um, mm-hmm. And you get sort of Ian start to walk. He's limping, mm-hmm. limping really badly. Yeah, he's limping. Yeah, so it's interesting that they kind of brought the... Uh, Brought that injury back for just for the shot, you know. Odd. I haven't. I didn't look that closely, even if it's the same leg. Again, the whole nostalgia thing. Okay, we're going for his damaged leg. I thought it was really interesting that Kelly asked him to carry her. <laughs> I know she's a twelve-year-old girl asking her father, who's limping, to carry her. Yeah. No, you walk. You stop getting carried when you're six. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 
I, I, yeah, I just, I just found that really weird. Um, because even, even in the previous minutes, like seventy or sixty-eight, where we've seen them come in just before they set up camp here, you can see Ian sort of grabbed Kelly by the shoulders and sort of helping along, taking some of the weight mm-hmm. off her. But to, to full out carry me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor girl. You'll be right. You're you're the youngest and the fittest out of everyone. Also, love here too. You saw you see Ludlow. He's got the map out. Mm-hmm. He's got. It looks like he's got a magnifying glass or something on the map as well. And he's sort of just wandering around, sort of looking at it, and then follows the group as they leave camp. I I still don't think he knows where they are. <laughs> I can no. I can just see Roland like sort of walked away after the previous conversation, just like dot here, dot there done and just left him and he's like but wait there's a tree here or a tree there <laughs> where's the map not detailed enough yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then Bert gets up he was laying on the ground like literally laying spread eagle on the ground on his belly yeah yeah no I think it was on his back because there's um there's dirt all over up his vest okay yeah, so they've, they've they've had a good break anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, finally, we cut to a uh, Carter sitting back up in his little hilltop there, listening to his music, and uh, a hunter comes up and calls his name a couple of times, and he ignores obviously because he's got that music playing in his ear. And uh, mm-hmm. the hunter bends over and picks up something off the ground, throws at him instead of taking a couple of steps closer and tapping on the shoulder. Um, I always thought this was like a, a young Michael Bean from Alien, uh, Terminator fame, but uh, or in Aliens, I suppose. But it's obviously not. But uh, yeah, yeah. Just here we get this this sort of scene where okay, it takes something getting thrown at Dita, uh, Dita at Carter to uh, get his attention, and. Um, I just love how when he pulls his earphones off his head and puts them on his shoulder, mm-hmm. they play even louder, which <laughs> his ears absorbed the music somehow. And uh, <laughs> it's funny how the camera pans down and you can see Dieter's bag, mm. and he doesn't even notice it. I mean, it's a, it's a big black bag among some green ferns and red uh, dirt, and he just he doesn't even glance at it. Yeah, I mean, he's, it's right in his line of sight, and he doesn't even think. Well, yeah, and this is where the minute ends. So the the hunter sort of gestures to Carter that we're moving on, and he bends over, picks up his backpack, and walks away. And as we get into minute seventy five, he sort of we get this pullback to Dita's backpack right there, and without even doing that, we, he knows Dita walked past the front of him. He walked past and hasn't come back. Mm-hmm. I question having headphones on in the jungle on a dinosaur-infested island where any little sound would spook you. Okay, it might be a coping mechanism, him having his earphones, so he's not jumping left and right and firing his gun off every time he hears a rustle of a bush, which I... I'd fully accept I probably would. Yeah, Yeah, but... uh, no, we uh we end here with uh, him getting up and completely ignoring that Dieter had walked past him at all, and his backpack on the ground. And that's where we leave off. 
Mm-hmm. Dave, anything else on 74 you want to get to before we uh, end the week? No, I think we're good. All right. So that, that's it for Minute 74. Uh, next week is Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays to uh, all our listeners. Mm-hmm. We hope you have a safe time off work and everything else. Uh, we're going to take a week off, of course, and uh, we'll be back the week later for uh, 75, 76. All right. All right, guys. Let's get the hell out of here. Contact details are on the website, thelostworldminute.com. Email feedback to the Lost World Minutes at gmail.com, Facebook The Lost World Minutes, Twitter at The Lost World Minutes, and Instagram The Lost World Minutes. Easy to remember. Yeah, yeah, very easy to All remember. Right. <laughs> uh, David, thank you for joining me for this recording. You're welcome. And uh, we'll be back. I've been Brad. I'm Dave. And uh, we'll talk to you all later. Goodbye. Talk to you later. Bye. It is absolutely imperative that we work with the Costa Rican Department of Biological Preserves to establish a set of rules for the preservation and isolation of that island. These creatures require our absence to survive, not our help. And if we could only step aside and trust in nature, life will find a way.